And away we go with another installment of Banker with a Beer, presented by Northwestern Bank. I'm Scott. Across the way is Jerry. We've got a beverage. We've got a guest. And we've got everything we need, don't we, for another great podcast. Correct, Jerry? We are locked and loaded here, Scott. We're ready to roll. Well, here we go now. We're, we're into the fall season with these podcasts. And don't forget to go back and check out all of the episodes we have had and other great ones that are coming down uh, down the pike as well. Uh, we've got the guest you got to introduce and the beverage. Uh, again, this is fall time that we are doing this podcast, and we have got an Oktoberfest uh, selection I see you've uh, picked out for us. Oh, we have a great beverage, but before we get to the beverage, we'll at least uh, let our guests know who, or let our listeners know who our guest is today. We have um, Jenny Amquist. She is the executive director of Fierce, Fierce Freedom, so we're going to be learning about the great work they do in our community and uh, learning a little bit about human trafficking and, and frankly, the the sad issue that is, but yet uh, hopefully some hope that we're able to shed some light on it and uh, spare some people some 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 significant angst. So uh, it'll be a little more of a sober conversation, but we'll try to lubricate our conversations. We always do with a really great beverage. And so our beverage today is going to be a Polander um, Oktoberfest. And uh, a, a, a shameless plug as last spent this last weekend is the Festmeister of the uh, Chippewa Falls Oktoberfest. Um, always have to enjoy a great uh, uh, Mausner beer. And this is a Marzen, uh, which is named for an Oktoberfest. So it'll be a little sweeter, a little lighter. Uh, these are brewed to be very drinkable. So um, not a lot of CO2 carb, uh, carbonation. So when we pour it up, it's not going to have a big head on it. And it's meant so you can have more more than one, but and, we'll, uh, we'll modify ourselves there. And adhere strictly to uh, the various codes, correct? It is, yeah. This is obviously the German purity laws, and uh, a Marzen is made in, well, this is brewed in Munich, and there are like three great ones. Um, Offbrow is probably the one people most know about, but there's Polliner, and then there's also Hacker Shore, and they all have really great um, Oktoberfest. This tends to be and nothing against uh, Lionies, because they certainly enjoy their Oktoberfest, and I consumed more than a couple this weekend, um, <laughs> but this is probably my my favorite tasty one, so we'll deep start there. Well, as Jerry uh, begins to pour them out and get them set up for us, Jenny, let's bring you into the, the conversation, and uh, before we find out a bit more about what Fierce Freedom is, uh, let's find out more about yourself. Uh, tell everybody, uh, give, them, give everybody sort of the quick little synopsis of you and uh, what's led you to uh, this organization. Sure. Well, um as you said, my name is Jenny Almquist. Uh, my husband and I uh, raised our children in Colfax, and we're still living out there. Um, our children are grown and gone. They're all married. They've all gone through school. They're all paying off their college loans right now. Um, and some are having children. So we're in a really fun phase of life with our family right now. Um, so... That's that's my family. Mm -hmm. I get a nice 35-minute drive in and back home every day, which helps me to kind of, you know, leave work at work and a few minutes to think on the way home. So, yeah. I'll ask you this before we begin the, the beverages here and, and drink. Uh, did you What sort of experience did you have with, uh, with nonprofit organizations and, and, and organizations uh, for, for justice causes, you know, what, what, what sort of was the, the business background that then pulled you into this? 
Sure. Well, I've always worked at nonprofits um, my whole life, although I have an associate's degree in interior design is my my educational associate degree that I have. Um, but I've always gotten pulled back just wanting to serve the community. So that's always been, um, I worked, as I was in college, I worked for the Salvation Army, and that was in the Twin Cities. I've always said that that was, besides where I work now, which is my own organization, it's the best job I've ever had. They are wonderful people there. Um, they're generous to their employees. And I, I remember always saying that if I ever got to have my own organization, I would follow that model. And so I hope that I, I work hard to do that. And um, we have a really great team. So I've worked in church offices. I've worked, as I said, for the Salvation Army, both for the church and for social services. And then here we are with Fierce Freedom in Altoona. So. Well, Jenny and Scott, let's begin the program off on the right way. All right, here we go. Oh, you are right. That is drinkable. You gotta add that in. That is good. There's a lot of O's in that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's 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 a really tasty beverage. So and it's a simple again. It's a simple one with the 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 four ingredients and what have you. Uh, so yeah, that'll be very very smooth. Uh, before uh, I handed it back over here to to Jerry. Quickly, what is Fierce Freedom? People have been seeing the name pop up more in the last number of years, and, and, and occasionally I think people are reminded what it is, but exactly what is Fierce Freedom? Because no doubt there's probably people that still confuse you with something else or what you do, what you don't do. So here you go. That's a question. You probably get a, a decent amount. What are you guys? Well, the short answer is that we fight local human trafficking. So we don't fight... Uh, international human trafficking we focus right here what it looks like right here in the Chippewa Valley in western Wisconsin um, and we educate the community about what it looks like and so what what brought you to this organization I mean you said you've had some background before was it an organization that you started yourself I know there's a, a group you work work with I know uh, Jennifer and John McBride uh, great folks uh, kind of give a little background of how the organization actually came to be Okay, well, in 2007, it's just kind of a crazy story, like you can't really make this up, but I went to go visit my sister and her husband uh, in Sydney, Australia, and I went to a conference along with my sister. They were working over there, and so crazy, but I got to go over there three times in three years to Australia, which was, for somebody who has always worked for nonprofits, that's just kind of a something that wouldn't normally happen so it was it was really a blessing for sure um, and during my time there we went uh, to a conference and with my sister it was a women's conference and they were talking about human trafficking there and so like I said this was in 2007 I had never heard of human trafficking which was crazy because I watched the news I liked to think that I'm fairly well read um, but I just didn't know that it was an issue today across the earth and um, so I came back home and I said to my husband what are we going to do about this you know we've always been um, like you know we've always worked for nonprofits. we've always been my husband's been on boards and all the things and so that was my first you know what are we going to do how is our family going to engage in this and try to make a difference and so, you know, Dave said to me, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, 
I don't know, maybe raise some money. I'll make, I'll raise some money. And so uh, we started, he helped me just because he's the good detail person. So he set up an LLC and we started a little business called Fierce Beauty. And I sold pretty things like scarves and jewelry. And I did little in-home shows before the shows were really, you know, like, you know, now there's Better Way and some of the other um, in-home parties that you can have. And so this was way before that. But that's what we would do. I'd go and bring my things into people's homes and I would give a presentation about domestic human trafficking. And the money that I would raise, I'd send it to organizations that were doing the work, fighting the fight. So such as the Salvation Army, um, A21 campaign, International Justice Mission. And then since you know, I think here in Wisconsin, we all know that there's a western side of the state and then an eastern side of the state, which makes perfect sense. However, the population and, and the money and the funding is really over on the east side of the state. So I found out quickly uh, people were reaching out to me to come in and talk to them about domestic human trafficking. And I, I said, yes, okay, I'll do it. It wasn't something that was comfortable for me. Um, I don't, or I didn't at the time, love to do public speaking. Uh, I hadn't trained for that. I wasn't um, comfortable with it, but there was a need and I was getting calls from, I mean, this was before we were a nonprofit. So we were still just a little business called Fierce Beauty. And I had law enforcement calling me, asking me for training for find out what I knew um, over here on the western side of Wisconsin. So the time came, we started talking about 2010. I think that we're going to do a nonprofit. I think it's going to be time. And so we started and uh, filed our paperwork in 2012. We became an official nonprofit. No, and, and the growth that Furious Freedom has had over the years has been pretty significant. And and I think, you know, from someone who is from central Wisconsin and, and moved here and spent in the Eau Claire area for um, about 30 years now, what's surprising to me is I think when it comes to significant issues like this, especially social issues, we tend to think of, well, they're in the bigger cities or it's it's from you know, somewhere else and, and, and people, you know, experience human trafficking by people passing through or whatever. No, it, it's a local issue. It's a significant local issue. And, and uh, more so than I was ever aware of until I became aware of First, Free, First Freedom and, um, you know, have gotten some personal involvement as well as, as the bank has gotten involved as, as well. How would you, and I don't know what, what statistics you have or whatever, but how big of a problem is uh, human trafficking locally, locally. So it's really hard to give numbers. Um, the state of Wisconsin doesn't count. Um, there's no statistical information available. All of our surrounding states uh, have safe harbor laws, so they have money that comes from uh, taxes that goes back into the state to you know, uh, put into homes that are taking care of people, educational things, um, training for law enforcement. They put uh, systems in place so that they can count and all the counties are counting. In Wisconsin, we don't have that. So all that we can say, uh, well, let me just back up, is we are a good 10 years behind all of our surrounding states in the laws that the states have in place to protect our people. Why is that, do you think? Well, you know, when people ask that, I just say you'll need to call your 
your legislator and talk to it's complicated people don't want to talk about it um, there's other pressing issues um, but it makes it really difficult for us because it's the truth traffickers come to Wisconsin because they know that they won't be prosecuted here um, the people who are uh, being victimized will be because it'll look like things like prostitution um, which sometimes is free will it is often uh, force fraud and coercion and they are not in control of their own finances their own bodies their surroundings so 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 kind of lead me and our listeners through this so so how would you then contrast trafficking versus prostitution well it's always when it's against their will so they they don't have control of their own money so they go out and uh, they have a job and every single these are the numbers that we count every single person that we've talked to uh, here in western wisconsin they have always been trafficked they have it has never been their own free will they've always had to hand their money over there they've always been physically abused uh, uh, emotionally and mentally abused clearly yeah and and what ages does this process begin and we hear terms about people being groomed and brought into this you know business give 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 us a scenario of what's a likely process of how this would in in bring a young person into it and i understand it's both uh both young girls and young boys Mm -hmm. it is um so we have a video on our website, or you can go to our, our YouTube channel, um, and there's a, a, a story that we did about a young girl who is um, on her phone. And this has happened with a pandemic. We just know that, the, that young people have been online more than ever. And so um, people who are grooming people will be online and will trick people into a relationship. This often happens or they'll they'll troll their Facebook page or their TikTok page or Instagram whatever and they'll see you know the keywords like they'll see if they're an emotional mess you know or they'll see if they're hurting or if they just um, are out of a relationship and they'll start using words and before they know it they'll be wanting to meet up and um, a lot of times they'll they'll take a lot of time and really build relationship before um, the true trafficking actually happens. So how long will someone be involved in trafficking? W- w- you know, I guess the question is be you know, why can't they just leave? Can't they escape? Uh, why do they stay in this life? Um, do they try to break away? I mean, kind of lead us through that process. Well, there's so many ways that it it looks. I mean, it looks like the way that we were just talking about it. It looks like on our video, Dear Diary, it looks like that. Um, The piece, the one that I always like to talk about because I feel like it helps um, people in our community really understand. uh, We know, and I've talked to um, school district superintendents and high school principals, that we know that there are boyfriends who will sell their girlfriends to their friends for the use of their car for the weekend or maybe for some uh, weed or you know whatever it is and that's human trafficking and so everything changed for me I was speaking this would have been probably 
gosh, four years ago now, out in a rural school district, um, you know, first layer out from Eau Claire probably. Um, and I was talking to a high school group of students and I was saying to them that we know that this is happening and we know that it's happening in this school. And I had a young lady, and this had never happened to me, but I had a young lady who, you know, it's like, it's those moments where time kind of stands still. And we, we met, like, I, I looked at her and she looked at me and she was doing the silent sob where the tears were just streaming. And she leaned in and this was like all of her, not all, I don't know how many, her classmates were around her at the time. So these were her peers. And she looked at me and she said, you mean I don't have to do that? Wow. And she just, she didn't know. And my kids aren't, you know, too much older than that. And I couldn't imagine our kids not knowing that they wouldn't have to say yes to that, you know? So, uh, so the, the issue here isn't just being young people brought to Eau Claire and the Chippewa Valley for trafficking purposes. There are also, um, I'll say, well, certainly victims that are being groomed here locally for um, exploitation, both locally and are they taken elsewhere as well? So here's where it comes to statistics that are hard to know. We would imagine so. Um, We've worked with... um, now that it's looked different over the years. But within the last five years, we've worked with 118 young women. Um, all of them have, well, n- we've had two minors. So um, everybody has, has been above 18, um, at least that they told us. Um, so we know not one of, all of those people were local. None of them had been brought in. None of them had been taken out. So it's hard to imagine that without, I mean, with the freeway here, with Highway 29 here, uh, that there isn't literal trafficking, you know, trafficking, traffic trafficking mm-hmm. <laughs> happening. Um, and I remember a conversation that I had with um, Sheriff Ron Kramer, late Sheriff Kramer, um, a good five years ago or more. And he said, people have, he said um, to me, uh, retired police chief Dave Malone was in the room with me at the time. And he said, Um, Sheriff Kramer said, you would not believe the amount of trafficking that's going on between 94, between Minneapolis, St. Paul, Milwaukee, and Chicago. He said, but there's even more happening on Highway 29. And that was surprising to me. Wow. So we've identified kind of just the the, the issue. What does Spears Freedom do then? Is this primarily advocacy or do you also help victims kind of escape their situation? So our big focus, we've seen over the years that um, the biggest, the way that people are marginalized or victimized is that we've seen um, is when they honestly don't know their own worth. And it's like the young girl that I just told you about, um, which is really hard. I understand parents are busy, you know, par- it's, it's just really difficult. But We go back to the conversation that I had with that young woman in that rural school district, and it was clear that she didn't know her own worth and her own value. 
And so we have a program that's our, our big push right now. It's a K through 12 program and it's called Worth It. And we have a, um, a young lady who had been trafficked when she was in high school. Um, and she was trafficked by a youth leader in her church. And so she tells her story. And then we talk about another scenario of how it can look. And then we tell the girlfriend boyfriend story and we always talk about the victim the buyer and the trafficker because there always has to be those three to make the equation of human trafficking so we go in we do an educational piece we uh, leave information with the school district of more resources for them uh, we work just to start out we support uh, bring in support to start up a um, a group within the school if they want that um, so that they can really change the culture of the school and really make it to a, uh, into a safe place so we've seen some success in that and then when we do that whole program then we love to also do a community uh, program while we're having this conversation I want to give you a chance to have the, some of that beverage uh, beverage there uh, I know it's 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 come up here in the course of this conversation but I want to circle back to it because it came up in another podcast we had had because some people get caught up in the uh the uh, semantics of it uh but people say is it sex trafficking is it human trafficking and uh, are they interchangeable or or, you know what's what's the difference there if people want to use the right lingo there so we've been saying a lot of human trafficking but Mm -hmm. people also hear the term sex trafficking come out there so what are the differences is there a a big difference in that what you guys do all that sort of thing that's a really good question Mm -hmm. actually um i guess we interchange them Mm -hmm. and we probably shouldn't we shouldn't we should really um stay on one but we find that when like when we post certain things and the algorithms that that there are out there in the metaverse you know that um sometimes if we say sex trafficking that sometimes it's blocked or if we have an email that says has the word sex in it um sometimes it won't go through so we in general say human trafficking and then if they're we're giving a presentation there happens to be a child in a, a room then we won't have an angry parent Um, but what we educate about is sex trafficking is what we do. We, we take a month out of the year. Usually it's April and we talk about labor trafficking because usually they are very much, they overlap. If there's labor trafficking, there's sex trafficking and there's all kinds of labor trafficking here in the Midwest that we wouldn't think about, um, on dairy farms all of the clothes that we're wearing right now have most likely been produced by people who are enslaved in either Haiti or China. Um, The chocolate that we eat usually is the coffee that we drink. So uh, we try to take a month and really focus on that. But our, um, the research that we've done, the presentations that we give, um, our, our depth of knowledge is really in sex, uh, domestic human sex trafficking. What are some things does the average Joe can do on a day-to-day basis uh, to keep an eye out, uh, keep an eye out for us? We hear these things uh, all the time. They're things of, uh, you know, see if somebody's always asking for permission and things of that nature there. Uh, but give everybody that sort of reminder because it's, unfortunately, it's it's not like uh, there's a big sign over these people's heads that say, hey, I'm in trouble. So what do you look out for? What can somebody do to, to keep an eye out? Some signs could be that um, if their moods are changing, um, more moody, more angry, 
um, if all of a sudden they are showing up with expensive things that they haven't had before, jewelry or maybe, you know, a beautiful purse that they couldn't afford, um, maybe they're more protective of their screen time and not really allowing you to see or the parent or guardian to see what they're doing. Uh, we have a whole, uh, it, we have a list on our, on our website too that's more than that but I would say that those are would really be the top ones and I think the thing is too and whenever I hear uh, people mention these things there, there's usually a, a crossover too even if it's not human trafficking there might be another issue or another issue that may turn out to be human trafficking so uh, not to you know, necessarily equate it to, to, to a, you know, a, a disease but it's the same sort of thing you, know, you once you see a symptom there's probably something wrong along the way what it is you'll find out right and we've recently we changed our mission statement to uh, include exploitation mm -hmm. exploitation and human trafficking because they're so closely tied that it's hard sometimes to know when that crossover does happen mm -hmm. so you know when we go into school districts or give community awareness events um, we'll also talk about those things to look for how people are could possibly be exploited and how that could lead into sex trafficking i was at one of your conferences uh, a year or so ago and then i remember one of the presenters and i know I've, i have it in my phone and i don't know off the top of my head there's a phone number you can call if you say if you're at a staying at a hotel somewhere and you see a situation that that's just doesn't look right. I mm -hmm. mean, um, for whatever reason, a, a, a young woman who's certainly with someone who's not her father and they don't, well, whatever. I mean, it's right. just, that just looks weird um, that you can call. It's anonymous. Mm -hmm. And then you just basically can make the call and then it goes, they, they follow through their own channels and, and you're, you're kind of left out of it, but it's just eyes and ears. Uh, do you know off the hand what that number is? I do. It's the National Human Trafficking Hotline number and it's 1-888-3737-888. And that it, it goes to a national number and they call our law enforcement um, in the area. Um, if they needed an organization to intervene, uh, we Fierce Freedom is on their list, so they would call us as well, which has happened with a couple instances in um, Chippewa Falls um, and here in Menominee as well. Which is which is great because you, you, it's like Scott asked, so what can we do? Well, I mean, for those of us who are, you know, at least a, aware of what's going on and want to help in some way, just be the eyes and ears for. Uh, somebody who you know who needs our assistance and probably doesn't have another way to be able to really reach out um, but you're going to be doing some advocacy in the area i know you've got a conference coming up we're going to tell us a little bit about that and uh, if folks are interested how they can be part of it sure um we uh, we are really excited this is our first um, bring in national level speakers uh, to a conference there has never been one on the western side of the state so um I told my team the other day, I said, do we really want to broadcast that this is our first ever? Because, you know, I don't know how people feel about that, but we're, we're proud of it. Uh, so we're bringing in Chris, uh, Chris McKee, and he was, um, he's retired law enforcement, but he was part of um, the first pros uh, prosecution of domestic human trafficking out on the East Coast. So he has all kinds of stories. We all love to hear cop stories. Um, and what it really looked like, what it was like to be there in the courtroom and, and see this um, really happen for the very first time. 
uh, after laws were, our federal laws were changed. So that that is going to be very exciting. His wife, Phyllis, um, she is a trauma psychiatrist. And so she's worked with all kinds of people who have um, worked in like organizations like mine or law enforcement or um, fire departments. She was one, she was one on the team to go into Sandy Hook right after that happened. So uh, we will be talking about, uh, there will be really great breakout sessions. She'll be a part of our keynote, but she'll also have a breakout session um, that will talk to people who are dealing with people with trauma as so well. How the, your website's the best way to go for folks who are interested and want, want to sign up? Yes. Yep. Yep. Fiercefreedom.org. Pretty easy. Where and when is it? Um, so it is out at um, the golf course. Shoot. <laughs> what is the golf course? Um, it's on the 13th of October. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did forget to mention that Lisa McCormick is going to be there as well. Let me just say that really quick. And she is right here locally from Western Wisconsin. Her son was trafficked. Um, and then he later died. And it was, it's really quite a story, but it's, it is the story of a male victim here in Western Wisconsin. Um, and it's a very dramatic story and you will fall in love with Lisa. She's, she's a very wonderful person. So the event itself is at Wild Ridge Golf Course, an event center here in Eau Claire. And it's on the 13th of October and it runs from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a, a, a wonderful opportunity to kind of shed some light on a truly challenging situation. And I, I give you and your team all the credit in the world for uh, reaching out in a way, in a meaningful way for some folks who are just desperately crying for, for assistance. So uh, kudos to you, kudos to Pierce Freedom and those who support it. And if you have an interest in this area and want to help, uh, please uh, do what you can and, and attend the conference if it's all possible. Um, you've been listening to uh, Northwestern Bank uh, and Banker with the Beer, Jerry Keelan Scott Montesano with uh, Jenny Elmquist today, the Executive Director of Fierce Freedom. We've been enjoying a Pollander Oktoberfest and enjoying that. Uh, if you like uh, this podcast, please give it a five-star rating uh, and uh, be sure to listen to it and other episodes on the Northwestern Bank website, uh, Eau Claire Radio, uh, hometownradio.com, sorry, and uh, uh, Apple and Spotify. Uh, Northwestern Bank, where people matter.